All right, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're in verse 5 as we look at the Sermon on the Mount. Right now we're going verse by verse because we're, <clears throat> excuse me, dealing with the Beatitudes. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. David Brooks shared a quote with me about meekness. It was from the ministry of Adrian Rogers. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with him, but uh, he has a, a great way of turning a phrase. He recently went home to be with the Lord. He said, if you think it's easy to be meek, try being meek for a week. And I just, that's one of those things I, can't, I just can't forget. The world thinks in terms of strength and power. Hollywood is a good gauge for this, believe it or not. The hero we love is the guy who tries to remain meek, tries to do the right thing, and uh, just he's patient and he takes more abuse than we think we could, but eventually he gets pushed too far and then he exacts revenge against all the bad guys who always deserve to die the most brutal, horrible death possible. Uh, and uh, it's in some ways sad that we cheer that on. But th that, that's kind of, and the reason that formula works is because that's kind of the, our understanding of things, that people who are meek and, and all, they, that might be okay on a day-to-day -day basis at your office, but sooner or later you're going to have to break out of that and just destroy somebody. So, uh, I, and that's why probably one of the great superheroes of all time is the Incredible Hulk. I mean, he just, you know, just releases the potential within, uh, you know, as Bruce, Bruce or David Banner, depending on you know what era you read the the uh, or David Bruce Banner, he had several names. Uh, depending on when you read the comic or watched the TV show, and I mean, he would try and try and try and stay calm, uh, and then all of a sudden he would just hulk out, and I guess he wore stretchy pants because the pants always hung onto him. You know, the rest of his outfit. He broke, my guy went through a lot of clothes, really. But anyway, they need Hulk out, and he never really killed anybody, which was nice, you know, and stuff. But he did what we want to do sometimes, just go crazy and blow things up and all. So anyway, or maybe not you, maybe it's just me that has this Hulk fantasy. But anyway, meekness isn't something we normally value. Now, it's interesting, too, to remember a larger context for this beatitude, and that is that the Jews were expecting a Messiah, uh, they still are, but they were expecting their Messiah to be a strong military leader who would overthrow Rome, probably by force of arms. That's the way you overthrew governments in those days. And uh, Rome, of course, very powerful. Uh, and I would say that the Jews who are looking for a Messiah today are, are expecting the same thing, a strong military political leader, and, and they'll get him uh, in the not-too-distant future, uh, although we will know him as the Antichrist. Meek isn't exactly the word that would describe the guy that they were and are looking forward to. And it's helpful to remember when you're reading the Gospels or, or anything about the New Testament that they had a worldview, that they had a mindset, and, and we're not, for the most part, I don't know if anybody here has a Jewish heritage, but uh, we just don't think like Jews. And one of the things that, I, I don't know how many foreign trips I took before it dawned on me that people in other cultures actually think differently than we do. They, they, they have a whole different way of processing information and coming to conclusions and, and the way people 
think and what they expect and, and how they were raised and a lot of these things really affect how, how they interpret information. Uh, and so a Jew would be stunned by this. You know, at this point in Jesus' ministry, maybe he is the Messiah. Uh, you know, he's, he's attracting crowds and performing miracles and many of the signs that pointed to the Messiah. Uh, and then he gets up and he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, and you have to think, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, how does, how does that, that's contrary to anything that they were thinking about at the time. And it require, in all of our lives, it requires a lot of courage and uh, humility to step outside of what we think and what we've been taught and try to receive something uh, as the truth. And so the bigger context of this is, is really fascinating. Even in the church, we don't always value meekness. There's always, I think, a general feeling among Christians that we would somehow be stronger and accomplish more if all the churches would get together and all the Christians would unite and we would put down our differences and uh, we, we'd really be able to do some things. Uh, and it's, unity is, is a, a precious thing. As a matter of fact, we are called into a unity and we're supposed to just maintain that. It is not that we have to achieve it. I mean, if we're Christians, we are united with one another. Uh, and, and it's up to us to maintain that. It, but even there, it's difficult. I, I know one of the areas here that that we run into a lot is, uh, you know, people seem to be interested in the gifts of the Spirit an awful lot. That's, and usually when they're very interested in the gifts of the Spirit, what they mean is speaking in tongues. And uh, I always am encountering people who, uh, that's really the only thing that they care about. You know, what do you think about speaking in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit? Because you know, if you don't believe the way I believe, then then we're going to have a problem. And and it's very difficult sometimes to just be with other Christians who have a certain mindset because you almost can't even pray with them. I've made jokes about it because it's kind of funny, but it's sad. You know, in, in some circles, you know, if we let, hey, let's pray, and then everybody starts shouting and screaming and speaking in tongues and and repeating phrases, vain repetitions is what they are. I don't know how many times I've been in a prayer meeting that's sort of ecumenical where people are just going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I, I don't know what that means. I, I don't have any idea. I think you could do that at home in your prayer closet. I mean, if that's meaningful to you to just call upon the name of the Lord and stuff, but in a public gathering. And so... I, I just don't see how, I don't know how to get along with people. I really don't. Because I, I, I can't pray when they're doing that. I just have, I can't hold a train of thought. Uh, you know, I'm, all, I'm thinking, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, I mean, it just, it's hard, you know. So, uh, and, and, and so we think that, you know, and there is a sense, and there are times in Scripture when numbers are valuable, but there's also a time when God can use a Gideon. He says, hey, I, you know, I'm going to find the, the, in one sense, the, the, the most fearful man uh, in Israel, and then I'm going to whittle down his army to almost nothing to go against the Midianites so that I can receive the glory. So whether by many or by few, I mean, God can be glorified in the many and he can be glorified in the few. And so it's, it's wrong to think that, that a greater unity always means a greater power that God has. I mean, God has the power. He could do it through one man. Or he could do it through all of us. And so we need to adjust our thinking about meekness. Uh, 
Now, each beatitude suggests the next. We saw that being poor in spirit was the foundation. We come to God recognizing that we are spiritual paupers, spiritual beggars, with nothing in our spiritual bank account, and then we throw ourselves upon His grace. His grace first saves us, and then it sustains and supplies us every day. Then, as believers, we saw that we mourn as we understand there's a conflict between the flesh and the spirit, uh, the lusts of the flesh and the, the spirit who wants to produce love in us and who's motivated by love. Thanks be to God that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and when we mourn, we receive and know His comfort. And the blessedness we saw last time we were together of those who mourn for this this kind of spiritual schizophrenia that we have is the comfort of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so I become a Christian on the basis of grace through faith, seeing that I have nothing to offer to God but that He's done everything for me. And then I enter into this struggle that I've never really had before where I see that I, you know, <clears throat> some people call it the sin nature some people get really technical and say, no, your sin nature is, is, is put to death. You're just struggling with the flesh. It all amounts to the same thing. I mean, you, you're struggling with what's left over of, of your humanity after you've been born again. And so those were the foundation and the first step because we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount as a picture as if we were ascending this mount to sit with Jesus, to sit where Jesus sat. Here's Jesus on the mount saying, I have ascended to this. I am the... I'm the man that you can be. I'm the picture of what manhood is that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in harmony with God. And, and we want to ascend to that. We can't even make the first step without God's grace. But as we have His grace, now we're, we're making progress towards that. To, really just being like Christ. Uh, and so far, uh, that's where we've gotten. And now the next step on that staircase or, or whatever you want to put it is meekness and so far the Beatitudes really have been somewhat introspective I look within at myself I see I'm poor in spirit and then I mourn over that and and the conflict that ensues but immediately after that I, I realize that I don't live alone or in a vacuum uh, other people are all around me mostly unbelievers but also believers who I get involved with and so now I begin to relate to them in my new life as a Christian and the first characteristic that we encounter that is important in relating to other people uh, is meekness. Right now would be a good time to remember that Moses was called, and I quote from Numbers 12.3, very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Uh, and so that's, that's a, you know, there's no use talking about meekness if you're not going to talk about Moses because up until that point, and, and this, he's the only one really described that way, he's the meekest man on the face of the earth. At the time he was described in Numbers 12 as the meekest man, his own brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, were leading a rebellion against him uh, in the sense that they felt that he was a glory hog and a one-man show. Why, why do you think God only speaks through you? Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. And this is the episode where Moses really doesn't do anything because God ends up striking his sister with leprosy. Uh, and then he prays for her that God would, you know, take that away. And, and of course, he does, I think, after seven days. Uh, and then God came down and spoke out of the cloud himself about Moses' faithfulness and his choice of Moses.
And so the thing about Moses, though, is right away with him as our example, we see that meekness is not weakness. You know, as we get back to our quote earlier, Moses defied Pharaoh. I don't know if I can even picture this in, in our society. I mean, it, Pharaoh was the most powerful man on the earth, or at least in that you know, in that culture at that time. I mean, he was, he was the pharaoh, considered a god. He wielded tremendous political and military power. Uh, and Moses walked in and, and defied him many times, time and time again. I mean, that, uh, here he is, the meekest man on the earth. And he, he walks into the courts of the most powerful military and political leader on the face of the earth at that time and defies him. He rebuked his own people when they were partying around the golden calf and then he threw down the tablets upon which the Ten Commandments were written. Uh, I would have thought they were more valuable. <laughs> but I'm sure he was led by the law, Lord because in, you know, in symbol, obviously, they had already broken the law. They broke the law before they even received it. Uh, and, and so th- there was the broken law as a, as a symbol. But he rebuked those people. And I mean, there were a lot of people and they were not really into Moses at that point. And then he led millions of people into and through the wilderness for 40 years. A, a kind of a different type of strength that you need. A, a patience, a resilience, an endurance. It's one thing to have the courage and strength to rebuke a, a pharaoh or, or your own people. It's something else to, to hang out with grumbling, complaining people for 40 years and to wonder what God is doing. Even to the point that that it was their fault that you have to go on for 40 years in the wilderness. Eventually, Moses wasn't even able to go into the promised land because he he let the people get to him at one point. And so, uh, so meekness is something different than we normally think. So how would we define it? Uh, It seems to be having an accurate view of myself and then expressing that as I interface or relate to other people. And that sounds simple, but it's really not. And so I want to have an accurate understanding of myself, impression of myself, good self-evaluation. The Apostle Paul was probably talking about meekness when he said in Romans 12.3, For I say, though uh, through the grace given unto me to every man that it is uh, among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I can't give you any examples right now, but a lot of times uh, you know, over the years, people have asked me questions about this or that or what's this motivation, why would this person do that? And, I'm, and there's always a lot of reasons, of course, but one of the things I find myself saying a lot is that I just think that they think more highly of themselves than they ought to because you find people creating problems let's say in the church or in different ministries and the problems seem to be because they're holding on to something they want to do or have always done or you know it's almost like a power struggle or something and and I look at that and I think you must think pretty highly of yourself that you know God has to use you and there's no one else that 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 could be used and so so this is a common problem it's a common problem I think in all of our lives uh, remember this these beatitudes are not natural traits there are people who we would look at and and see as more meek than other others on a natural basis Uh, but what we're talking about is a supernatural quality that all of us can uh, aspire to in the holy spirit so it has nothing to do with your personality somebody who is outwardly meek 
doesn't necessarily fall into the meekness that Jesus is talking about. And so bear that in mind. So if I'm, uh, I'm meek, if I remember that I'm poor in spirit and then I mourn for my struggle against sin, because then I'm never going to think more highly of myself and I won't think somehow that I'm better than you. I, 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 there's no way that I can think I'm better than anybody else if I'm in touch with who I really am, I, a, a spiritual pauper who is struggling against sin. And in the only victory that I ever have, God gives me by his grace. I don't see how I can elevate myself above you or anyone else if I really have that understanding. Uh, Now, also in meekness, not only all that, but I'm going to be concerned about Jesus getting credit and glory and not me. Because I've come to the conclusion that anything that happens in my life, God accomplishes it. Uh, it's a blessing to be along for the ride. It's nice to be used of God. God gifts you and lets you touch people's lives, but it has to be all of God. Uh, if there's any of your own person, any of your own ability in there, it's only a natural ability that can't really help anybody. And so, therefore, I'm I'm not thinking I'm better than anybody else. And all I care about is that everybody else see Jesus or understand that Jesus is the is the real person that is behind all this and that's why those who are me can sometimes seem very strong if someone is attacking the glory of God or someone is taking credit for God then I am going to be incensed by that David I believe was meek as a young boy when he heard Goliath defy the armies of the living God and and it it welled up in him as uh, uh, hey I we have to do something about this this is you know, it, it's not that he's defying Saul or saying that he's better than Saul or my dad can whip your dad or anything. I mean, he's defying God and we represent God and so all we have to do is stand up for God and, and God will give us the victory. And so that was, though he went out against the giant and killed him and cut off his head, uh, it was uh, as a result of his meekness. Nehemiah, we just studied on Sunday, he was meek when he threw Tobias furniture out of the temple. And when he threatened the Gentile merchants and when he beat up the Jewish husbands and pulled out their beards uh, it, because they were destroying the glory of God. The, and and he, it, it wasn't about him. Nehemiah didn't come back and say, you guys have gone back on my reforms. I mean, these were all issues in, in terms of God's glory. Always the Lord is our ultimate example. He was meek in eternity past when he determined he would become a man. He said, well, I'll, I'll become a man and I will not assert my rights as God. I won't use my deity. I'll set that aside. Though I remain God, I will only act and react as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He often, uh, even though he did that, uh, he could be fierce when the glory of God was on the line. He often said strong things to the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, and, and he didn't mince words at all with those guys because they had crossed the line. They were definitely distorting the image of God and taking credit and doing all of these kinds of things. One of my favorite sayings was when he told them that they were whitewashed tombs. Uh, in those days, they didn't have... Uh, my understanding is that they didn't always have neat cemeteries like we do. Uh, and so people would be buried in different locations and it was you know one of their ordinances is that they keep the tombs properly marked because there was uh, in the law you can't come into contact with death otherwise you're ceremonially unclean and so you don't want to be walking over people's graves 
and so they would whitewash the outside of these tombs so that people knew that there were it was a, a grave. And so Jesus said, well, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look great. You've recently been whitewashed and, and are taken care of, but inside you're full of dead, rotting bones. And, and I mean, that's probably the worst insult, in a sense, that you can give to a person who thinks they're spiritual. He was meek when he overturned the tables of the money changers twice and drove them out of his father's house. And so the blessedness of being meek uh, is that you inherit the earth. You don't conquer it by force of any kind. It is given to you as a gift. What is an inheritance? It's usually what parents leave behind for their children or some relative, but in this case, you know, let's think of it as parents. In our case, we have God as our father. We are born again into his forever family. We're also adopted so that we have full legal rights as his children. And so we become God's legal heirs. God will never die. Therefore, he starts sharing our inheritance with us the moment we are saved. Every day he supplies and sustains us from our inheritance of spiritual blessings. Thus, wherever we find ourselves, we can claim that place as an inheritance from God. And we can trust that his grace will be supplied to sustain us. Uh, So, you know, in my case, I'm in Hanford. This is a ministry that God's you know, raised up, and I can, see, I can say that this is part of my inheritance. You know, I don't have to wait for it. I'm, I'm already earning it, uh, uh, you know, in, in that sense that God is giving it to me. When we die or get raptured, our inheritance continues on into eternity. We will be rewarded by the Lord at his judgment seat, the Bema of Christ. We know that we'll have authority on the earth uh, when the Lord comes back in his second coming and for a thousand years rules the earth we're going to rule and reign with him. That's part of our inheritance. There are passages like 1 Corinthians 6, 3 that say we will judge angels. Uh, I'm not sure all of what that means, but it seems cool. Uh, And then the last two chapters of Revelation share many precious insights with us about gifts and blessings that God is going to give us throughout eternity. Uh, And especially once we're free from our bodies of sin and death, the things that we'll be able to enjoy. It's tougher than we think to have an accurate view of ourselves. We're really not very good at self-evaluation. We, as human beings, tend to have a higher esteem for ourselves than is is really accurate. And even people people who you would identify as having low self-esteem, there is at least a philosophical argument that if you had low self-esteem, you wouldn't care that you had low self-esteem. It wouldn't affect you, you know, because you don't have any esteem. So, uh, I mean, I, and so what we want to have is, is what some scholars or, or writers call Christ esteem. And that would be seeing Jesus sitting in our context, sitting on the mount, delivering these words, but also embodying them. He's the example of what a man can be. Yes, he was God, yes, and man at the same time. But giving the Sermon on the Mount, he is saying, this is what a man can be who is filled with the Spirit I'm that man, and you can be that man as well. And, and so he, we want to have that esteem. That is the person that we want to be like. And then we'll see ourselves falling short, but being able to ascend to the Lord by his indwelling spirit. And so give this some thought. I mean, really, the, the, I, I'm, I put myself in this as well. Self-evaluation is hard. We, we, and if you really want to know, I don't recommend this unless you have a strong marriage, but ask your wife, you know, and, and she'll tell you. Uh, 
and then I'm not available for counseling afterwards. But anyway, uh, a lot of times we just see ourselves differently than other people see us. Uh, and and uh, now other people can be wrong. They can have their own motives and stuff. But there is a, a human tendency to just think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And anytime your feelings are hurt or you feel wounded or overlooked or any of those, par- that's part of it. That you think, well, why would they overlook me? I also did that. Uh, I'm the only one they didn't mention, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, it, it, it causes a lot of grief to people. I was just telling somebody a story the other day about how when I worked at Orange Coast Title Company, I can't remember all the details now, but at one point I was a sales manager in San Bernardino County, and then we had some, I, I think they called it restructuring, uh, and, and I, I ended up going back to my old sales territory in uh, Corona and Norco, and it took me a few days to figure out what was going on, but the, my bosses were really concerned that I was going to see the demotion as something that, you know, first of all, see it as a demotion, and secondly, that, you know, I was going backwards, as it were, in my career, and it would cause me to want to leave the company. And so I went in and I told them, I said, hey, this is no big deal. I'm happy, you know, everything's fine. Well, as a result, they still, I still wasn't the sales manager. I went back into my sales territory, but they gave me some phony title. I was now the assistant, uh, what was I? Of some kind of an assistant to somebody that, I, and, and I got to go to meetings, which I didn't want to go to and stuff. And so it's very important for people in the world, this idea of esteem and how other people are treated. And I'm not saying you should treat people unfairly. Fairness is one thing, but in those times when we just feel overlooked, we want to promote ourselves, we're not really practicing meekness. I want to close with just a few random verses, kind of a topical study uh, mostly in the Psalms, uh, is from Psalm 25 and 37 uh, on meekness. It says, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he will teach sinners in the way. The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yes, you shall diligently consider his place, and it shall not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. For the Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Amen. God's blessings on you, Ben.